Welcome to the Patriot Podcast, a production of Covenant Academy in Cypress, Texas. Our hope is that this podcast connects you to the heart of our community, culture, and those who are helping shape the hearts and minds of students. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Patriot Podcast. I'm Michael Gaines, and glad you're joining us on this episode as we uh, have a conversation about uh, this upcoming school year and uh, some things we can be thinking about as we uh, enter into what what I think many can agree is is a quite a uh, a unique uh, year, a unique opportunity to to really uh, dive in and and see how God can work in us, even through uh, through what what is is certainly a, a new 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 landscape for us. So to uh, Help us kind of think through that and give us some things to to uh, to talk through and, and think through. We have uh, Keith McCurdy, who is here. So, Keith, thanks for uh, joining us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. So, for those that may be new to the Covenant community, I know that uh, they may not be familiar with your name. I know I'm I'm a second year parent now, so I had the opportunity to to hear you last year. But but could you uh, maybe give us just a, a a little background on on who you are and and what you do? Sure. Uh, well, I'm Keith McCurdy. I'm a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, I've been in the field of mental health for more than 30 years, uh, treating uh, children of all ages, working with families, uh, estimated probably more than 15,000 over the last 30 plus years. Uh, I also do a lot of work with Christian classical schools. Uh, right. I had two children that were educated uh, in a Christian classical school. Uh, I served for eight years on the board of a Christian classical school, and my kids say the claim to fame is I also coached basketball for eleven years ah. at a Christian classical school. So that's that's what really rates me. Yeah, I was going to uh, say there, there it is. I was I heard the other yeah. stuff, and that's okay. But that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I maintain a mental health clinic. I have a practice here with a bunch of folks. Uh, but I also go around the country and consult with schools about parenting. And mm-hmm. the big uh, the big thing we look at is the needed uh, process of struggle and allowing our kids to struggle and the value that gives to their maturing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's so and I've been to Covenant a few times before, and mm-hmm. we've talked about that. Uh, you know, really, how can we as parents help our kids struggle and help them through struggle, which, of course, right. is very appropriate. <laughs> For the time we're in right now. Right, right, right. So, you know, when we're looking at this year, I mean, we're now, uh, you know, the time of this recording, we're we're here in uh, in mid-September, essentially, get, getting close to, to October. And so yeah. for, for many across the country, we've gone through, you know, the whole, okay, let's, let's jump into distance and in-person and, you know, hybrid and, and all kinds of things. And I know that even now, you know things are are still kind of in in flux, but but as as parents, as we as we move into uh, this this school year and really embrace it, uh, what are what are some things that uh, that we can be thinking about? And and again, based on on your your experience and and certainly your your practice, you're seeing this kind of firsthand uh, some of the impacts and, and considerations for students and, and and children as well. So so what are what are some things we can be thinking about as as uh, as we continue to move into this year? Yeah, you know, I think it's a great question because our our kids are well, really, and and parents, faculty, administration, we're looking at school in a very different way than we've looked at it for years, and and so what I really tell parents is this: we really want to make sure we're providing a sense of stability for our children as we go through this, as we go through this different time, and there are kind of three categories that really help to develop that, 
The first is predictability. You know, and how do we provide predictability to our kids? And, and I'll give you three categories to think about with that. You know, the first is we want to make sure we set the expectations. And now that we're already in school and many of us have been in school for a week, the key to that is communication with our school. You know, make sure we know what's going on because during this time, things can change and they can change more rapidly than we're used to during the school year. And so we need to make sure we know what's happening so we can communicate that to our children. When our children go to school and there are no surprises, they know what's going to happen. They have a sense of stability. They have a sense of, of okay, I, I kind of know what to predict. I know what it's going to look like. And, and as many students have said to me, one most famously young girl, she said, you know, it's just weird right now. <laughs> and it's just a weird season. And one of the best ways to navigate weird is at least knowing how it's going to be weird, knowing what's going to happen. And so now that school started, it's really important that we as parents read the emails from the school, look at the information that comes out, the things that in other years we may not always look at. Mm -hmm. Make sure we know what's happening and then make sure we have conversations, especially with our younger students about what's happening, what's changing, what's gonna look a little different. Because as they go into school and they see, it, they see that it matches what they've been told, there's a sense of predictability and stability there. The next thing is routines. You know, Make sure we're about, many schools right now are about a month in. Make sure our kids have a routine in the morning and a routine in the evening. You know, we don't want their entire experience of the day determined by school or by their school experience. And one of the things that help them look beyond school is knowing what's going to happen in the morning, knowing what's going to happen in the evening, really knowing the routine of their day. This provides another level of predictability, knowing what to expect. And that allows them to look at a broader picture than just the school day. And even if the school day is a little chaotic, they come home back into a routine and that routine then gives them stability. And then the third, uh, third area that relates to predictability is making sure that we exude a sense of confidence. And, you know, the message is we're going to get through this, you know, as different as it is, as weird as it is, we're going to get through this. And some people may say, well, how does that relate to predictability? Well, that tells our children that, you know what, no matter what happens or what changes, my parents are always there to give me a direction. You know, no matter what comes up, even if it's something we don't expect, I know I can go to my folks and they will give me insight, give me direction. And so that really, that's the first category, predictability, you know, making sure we give that predictability to our children. The second category is knowing that this time is different and knowing that we're dealing with some things that are not necessarily enjoyable. Like I had a student tell me the other day, okay, it's been a month. I really hate wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. it. You know, I feel like my skin is steaming off my face. Mm. And so we're going to see a lot of emotion from our kids. And the categories that I see most often right now from students, and this is from kindergarten students all the way up to college students. What I see is anxiety, and that's typically the younger students, because younger students are concrete thinkers. They're not really critical thinkers. They're not evaluating. And so in their world, there's more unknown than known. And so for them, you know, a little more anxiety, a little more worry, a little more, I'm not sure what's happening. Uh, and then we're also seeing a lot of frustration. I see this a lot with middle and upper school students, you know, dealing with, oh, we can't be near each other. You know, we have to wear the mask unless we're at our desk or even at our desk, you know, just the general frustrations of that. And then in a small category of students, we get just some anger. Uh, sometimes those are middle and upper school students where they're just mad about this. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, luckily that's fleeting, but it comes and goes sometimes. And so the question is, how do we as parents, faculty, how do we engage that? 
And the key is that we don't want to fall into what we hear out in culture of we are to validate every emotion. Well, that's not really what we need to do, because if we're validating every emotion, the message we send is you should be feeling that way. Well, our feelings are not always accurate indicators of reality. And if anything, our job is not to validate. It's really to help our children evaluate their emotions. In other words, how I'm feeling, is it really that big a deal? Is it really a crisis? Is it really this big of a burden on me? Or am I just annoyed? Mm -hmm. But to do that, we don't want to validate. Because when we validate, when we just confirm, yeah, you ought to be feeling that way, we really can't give any more insight. So instead, we want to follow a process. And I'll, I'll give it three letters. It's E, T, and K. E, empathy. Empathy, very simply, is this. It's acknowledging I hear you, acknowledging I see it. So a kid comes in and they're anxious about school or frustrated. These are the two most common we're going to see. <coughs> Excuse me. And they come in and they're frustrated. We show empathy. We just acknowledge it. Man, I, I can tell you're frustrated. I hear you. It doesn't mean I understand. doesn't mean I agree with it. It's just I see it. Mm. When a child knows that we see it and we're not correcting immediately or defending you know, why they're there at school or why they're ma wearing masks right away, when we just acknowledge we hear them, it's amazing how they open mm. up a little bit. And it allows us, empathy really is two pieces. It's, it's I hear you. I see this. I hear you. And hey, do you want to tell me about it? So it's, it's empathy and listening in a sense. I hear you and I'm willing to listen. Now, most kids are going to say, no, I don't want to talk about it. Mm, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. but most kids really don't want to go there because they, they already realize it's, it's just an annoyance. But we offer the empathy. Once we offer the empathy, we then go to T and T is truth. This is where we share truth. And the truth is, you know, this is what we're going to do to get through it. This is how we're going to deal with it. This is what we're going to do tonight. This is, you know, this is what we're going to do just to reduce your stress. Mm -hmm. We've gone, I hear you, I can feel you're frustrated. You know, here's how we're going to handle that. Here's what we're going to do. If we don't know, we're going to come up with ideas and figure it out. And the third category is K, kindness. How do we demonstrate kindness in this moment? It's really through encouragement. And it's really sending the message that we talked about that's that message of confidence early on. You know, we will get through this and we'll get through it together. You know, so when a child is anxious, when a child is frustrated, when a child is angry, it's like, I hear you. You know, I hear you. I see it. I get it. Do you want to talk about it? That takes off some pressure. Think about a tire that's overinflated. When we show that empathy, it's like we're going, letting a little air off. And, and then we're just saying, look, here's what we do. Here's how we're going to handle it. And we're, we're going to get through this together. And it's amazing when we do that, our children are drawn towards the relationship, not away. And, it, and we send a really good message. And the message we send is we have confidence in your ability to function through difficult things. We have confidence in your ability to deal with difficult situations and sometimes with our help. And that's, that's our role in this. Mm -hmm. And it also affirms in a child, we know you're built capable. We know you're built sturdy. We know God built you and is equipping you to function in this broken world and in this season of weird. And so I think it's important that we understand that's how we need to engage our kids when they're struggling, when they're having a hard time. Mm. So the first category is predictability, the steps that we want to put, put out to help predictability, set expectations, routines, confidence. The second category is when we see the different emotions, how do we deal with them? It's empathy, truth, and kindness. Uh, and then the third category is just simply this, you know, how do we instruct our kids? You know, our kids need our instruction about how to deal with what they're going through in school. With our younger students, 
that is primarily, you know, follow the rules, follow the guidelines. It comes a lot into knowing what's going to happen mm -hmm. and just encouraging them to do it. And a lot of times with younger kids, if something new comes up, uh, you know, before the start of school, it was interesting that a lot of parents realized their younger grammar school kids had not been wearing masks and yet they were going to be required to wear masks. So one of the things I told parents is walk them through it now. Come up with a reason, you know, go to the ice cream shop, make it a fun thing. And hey, they got to learn to wear their mask, you know, prepare them. And so when changes come along, what we want to instruct younger children to do is how to handle it. This is what you do. This is how it is. We can even practice it. For the older students, though, we really need to instruct them in the right attitude. And the right attitude is this. Remember, they're critical thinkers. They're fully aware that some of what they're doing doesn't fully make sense. It is not logical. You know, some of what we have to do is not completely logical right now. And so they're, they're pushing back a little. I, I've, I've already seen this with many upper school students who, you know, thankfully are critical thinkers now. <laughs> you know, in, in the classical world, we've prepared them very well to be good arguers. And so they're lodging their case while they shouldn't be wearing a mask. <laughs> you know? and, and so it's important for us to say, hey, look, you're not wearing a mask. You're not staying six feet apart out of fear. You know, our critical thinking wins the day. We're not doing this out of fear. We're actually doing it out of care and concern for those around us. You know, it's really taking an attitude of grace and understanding. Uh, it's the notion that we're critical thinkers. And I know Johnny, who is 16 and in my class, is also a critical thinker. Why on earth would he have a little concern or fear. Well, maybe he has an 85-year-old grandmother that has an impaired health condition that he likes to visit or that lives with him. Mm -hmm. you know, we don't know everybody else's story. And so during this time, it's important for us to instruct our older students, look, we're going through this season in this way to stay in the school system, to keep, to keep in the educational world, and really out of concern and love for those around us. For other situations, we may not fully understand. And so we really need to decide not to be the complainers or the grumpers about it, just to own it. It's a season. And if anything, we demonstrate, you know, we can deal with this. We can handle this. And it's really interesting that when we teach selflessness, and that's really what that is, when we instruct selflessness and the attitudes and behaviors that go with it, children and young adults focus a lot less on their own experience and their own emotions and their own frustrations. And it's amazing. Self, when, when selflessness goes up, self-focus and selfishness goes down. And so it's a great time right now for us to teach our students and instruct them and ourselves. You know, I, I'm not doing this because it makes complete sense. And I'm not doing this out of fear. I'm doing it really out of a selfless act to those around me. Mm. And it's a season. It's a season. It's a weird season, but it's a season. Mm. And I think that, you know, that really sends the message to our students that's consistent with uh, C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, his quote of, surely what a man does when he's taken off his guard. Well, we have been taken off our guard. No question about it. And it says, surely what a man does when he is taken off his guard is the best indicator of who he is. And what that really says is we don't always control the situations around us, but we have the ability to control our response. That's what says more about who we are. And so we want to look at our responses to these things now and say, hey, who, who are we saying we are? And we want to send the message to our kids. We can live well during this difficult time. You know, there is a path that God would have us on during this time. And so in my world, you know, when we keep those three things in perspective right now as we're into school, 
continuing to focus on that predictability as things change, and they will because this is a this is kind of a moving target. Uh, how we deal with difficult emotions before we correct them or get def or defend the position, really hear where our kids are and just help them process it a little bit and evaluate those emotions rather than validate. And then third, really instruct them. Why are we going through what we're going through? Well, we're doing it to love those around us. And we're owning the fact that we can deal with things that are annoying, things that are difficult, things that are a bother sometimes. Mm. And so I think keeping those in mind is really key right now. Mm. Mm. I think that's really, really insightful and really, really helpful. I mean, to, to your point, you know, we're talking about students and, and a, but you made reference and I certainly uh, can, can, can I, uh, attest to the applicability for, for parents as well. So oh, a lot yeah. of things, right. I mean, I'm, yeah. so I'm, I, uh, you know, as, as we're discussing today, I'm, I'm here at my office and one of the requirements is that you wear a mask coming in. And sometimes I'm thinking like, well, why do I need to do that? There's no one <laughs> else in the lobby. It's just me and right. guard 30 feet away. But to your point, you know, really understanding one, it's a season, but, but two, I mean, you, you, you made good points of, of really thinking through and, and remembering that it's not necessarily about my, my own situation, but the person that's coming through the turnstile behind me or, or whatever. Right. So right. no, that's, Absolutely. that's really, really, really helpful. I, uh, so we, we had some, some questions that I, I think really can apply to, to a lot of, a lot of folks. So I kind of wanted to do maybe a little bit of, of rapid fire with you to see yeah, if maybe right. we can get, get some, uh, insight from you. So, uh, first off, I, I think, and I think this one uh, really uh, can can hit home for many. Is uh, obviously we're in a, a time of of information and and really trying to understand and stay abreast of this fluid global situation. It's not even normally it's localized. You know, something happening in a city or a region, right. but we're talking about something happening everywhere. And so, as such, the the amount of information that we have access to and privy to is is certainly uh, abundant. So the, the question then is, is, is it possible? Can we really get to a point where we tell our kids too much? Do, oh. Can we kind of overload them? How, how do you, how do you talk to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I think we have to realize right now we're in a season, I call it a season of panic. Uh, mm -hmm. We have so much media, so much information coming at us. And, you know, most of it is not positive because news doesn't make money on positive typically. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be careful about what we relay to our children. You know, number one, we need to be better discerners of information and of what we're taking in. And we also have to realize our children only need the basics. You know, so when we have younger children, uh, I, I think we explain the minimum that's necessary about what they're going through. Uh, because again, they're concrete thinkers. You know, sometimes we we think children are asking and wondering things that are in our minds, but that are not in theirs. I, I'll give you a story, an example of this. Um, and you'll never forget this story once I tell you. It's it's crazy. And it, it picks on dads a little bit. And I'm a dad, so this relates. Um, it, it, about 10 years ago, I was told this story. A mom came in and the, the mom and dad and their son, who was probably a five-year-old, they were going to uh, a, a viewing of their uncle, old uncle who had passed away. We'll call him Henry. And at the viewing, the little boy, we know what happens at a viewing. There's a casket and there's someone mm -hmm. that's there in the casket. Mm -hmm. and, and the boy asked the dad, he said, um, why does uncle Henry look like that? And the mom said that a couple minutes in, when the dad started mentioning embalming fluid, the boy screamed, I just want to know why he's wearing a tie. <laughs> you know, Henry was a farmer and he'd never seen him in a tie. Oh man. We, We've got to realize that that our younger children are concrete thinkers, and what they're asking usually is very concrete. 
You know, another example of that that I've already had that, now that school has started, a younger child again, I think it was a first grader, was asking, uh, uh, pick on dad again, the dad, uh, you know, what happens if Miss Smith gets sick, his teacher? And the dad immediately said, you know, Dylan, you don't need to worry about that. She won't die. <laughs> and the boy said, die? What are you talking about? <laughs> he didn't know that was on the table. Yeah. He was wondering if he would know the substitute mm. who might come in. Mm. So it's really important, number one, that we don't provide all of this information that's out in media to our children. But even more importantly, when they're asking a question about what's going on, we have this huge amount of information they're probably not asking about. But if we don't clarify, that's what we're going to dump on them. And it's they can't use and it just overwhelms them. The best thing to do when a younger student says, hey, what about this? Our first response needs to be, tell me what you mean. Ask a good question in response. Very quickly, very quickly, we go a different direction. So then the first example why does Uncle Henry look like that? Well, what do you mean? Well, I've never seen him wear a tie. We never would have gotten to embalming fluid. Mm. You know, in the most recent example, what happens if Miss Smith gets sick? Well, what do you mean? Well, do you think I'll know the substitute? Again, very different places. So it's important for us to give our children the minimum, really, of what they need to navigate what they're going to see that's different, and then answer questions by clarifying first. With our older students, I think we're in a little different realm. Um, number one, our houses, I, I suggest to folks, don't fill your head or your home with all the news and social media. It, it, it keeps us at a heightened stress level. I've had multiple people in the last two or three months that I have given the assignment of take a 60-day sabbatical from every piece of news and every bit of social media. It's amazing in every category, their anxiety and depression has come down just from taking a leave of absence from that. So let's make sure our homes are not filled with that. And let's encourage our teenagers not to fill their heads with all that as well. But we have a great opportunity with them to talk more directly and openly about our concerns, our thoughts, our beliefs. And we should bring them around to how do you think God would have us respond to this? You know, that's where they are. They're in that processing state. And so I know I went a little a little sideways from your question, but sure. I, you know, I feel like it, we have to fill the whole picture in. So yeah, I that, no, I agree. yeah, no, absolutely. I think, and I think that's really helpful to, to understand it. And maybe as a, a segue to the, the next question, uh, it, it relates to some of what you talked about. So again, th there is a, a, a burden of, of responsibility in, in that we do have all of this information as, as parents uh, to to our, our children and uh, for for some that can lead to maybe a, a an increased sense of anxiety or or, or worry or, or or other uh, type of state. So, so should should we really be aware and thinking about how that affects our our kids? And if so, how how do we approach approach that? Yeah, and I think again we come back to that whole model of understanding where our kids are first and how to engage those emotions. And so if I can break those into three categories, what I'm seeing from students I deal with, to, to give you an example of where they are right now, just for us to be mindful. Younger mm -hmm. students, again, there's more unknown to them than known. So when we're seeing a little bit of stress and anxiety with them, it's, it's typically based on that. I don't know what's going to happen. This looks very different. And there's a heightened sense of anxiety or fear at times that they don't fully understand why, why they're anxious. Uh, and I think it's important for us as parents with the younger students, so let's say grammar school students, 
just to be aware of that and engage them regularly. When we see them being a little off, we can just say, hey, you seem like something you're like you're thinking about something. What's going on? Just engage them a little more to hear about things. And that's our opportunity to show empathy, but then to remind them, hey, here's what we're doing about it. And we're going to get through this. It's, it's not it's not something beyond what we can work through with our, and let me skip middle school for, or, or, or middle students. Let me go to upper schools. Upper school students are full-fledged critical thinkers. Uh, they have full abstraction ability. You know, these students, we can engage very directly and we should regularly check in. Hey, how are you dealing with all the nonsense at school? How are you dealing with all this? Stuff? I'm sure it's frustrating. Do you want to talk about it? You know, being very open and direct with them, because when we do that with older students, they pick up from us. We're confident even during this turbulent time, and we're confident enough to be able to talk about it, to be able to talk openly with you about it, to be able to process even frustration about it. When we do that as a parent, that sends a message that we're confident. We're, and we're confident enough that God is laying a path out in front of us and that we'll supply what we need that we can talk about difficult things with you. Mm. Middle school students are a little trickier right now. And I think it's important for us to realize where they are, that they're not necessarily going to tell us. Uh, you know, in the last couple of months, I've dealt with a couple hundred middle school students. And it's interesting to me, I, I, one little girl said to me, not little, she's probably 13. She said, do you think people will like me when I go back to school? And there was nothing in the history where she had problems socially. Mm. You know, she didn't leave school in the spring. She left abruptly, but she didn't leave in conflict. And what that points out to us is middle school students are in the world of establishing and figuring out appropriate and healthy social connection. Upper school students have already worked through that a majority. Uh, you know, they have a feel for it. Grammar school students aren't even there yet. They're not, that's really not how they're thinking. They're thinking entertainment activity, you know, people loving me, things like that. But middle school students are right in the middle of figuring out healthy, appropriate social connection. Where do I fit? Do I make a good middle schooler? You know, and, and it's important for us to realize that's brewing regardless of the pandemic. But because the pandemic has caused distance, we have exacerbated that stress for them unknowingly. And so it's important for us to be mindful of that and to really, really grow our empathy muscle when dealing with them. And remember, empathy is not sympathy. Sympathy is, oh, poor baby. You know, we're not, we're not doing that. It's empathy. Really growing that muscle of saying, hey, where are you? Checking in. I know this is tough. Tell me what's going on. Those students need that attention more than the other two groups. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think understanding that framing helps us then realize Okay, during this time, it's more stressful. How can we better engage them? Mm, no, I think I think that's good. And and so maybe a, a, another one. I know we're we're starting to wrap up here, but sure. uh, just a couple more for you. You know, as as we do continue to to talk to our students and and help um, uh, to to your point, help really establish kind of what's what's going on, the the state of things, and and giving age appropriate. Uh, answers and conversation. How do we wrap uh, some of that conversation in in a, a spiritual context? What does what does that look like? What does that sound like as we we talk about um, this this reality that that we're in? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. I think we can look at two views. One is the kind of the ten thousand foot view, and then the one is right in our home view. You know, the ten thousand foot view. You, you know, I'll reference C.S. Lewis, um, "Learning in Wartime." Uh, one of his one of his uh, 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 talks. It's, it's in the weight of glory. If you haven't read it, read it. Mm. Uh, talking about, you know, while we still go to school during World War II. 
And it's interesting because what he says is, in essence, is, you know, we're aware now during this time that we're on this precipice that we've always been on. We've never had control, you know, yet we, we've bought into this illusion that we have control. And so from the 10,000 foot view, this time is reminding us we don't have control. But it's okay because this is where what we believe and what we trust matters. Do you really believe what we see in Isaiah that God says, hey, I, I will provide a stream in the wilderness, a path in the desert? You know, God's promise is not that everything will go smoothly. God's promise is that I'll always be there providing you a path. And so I think it's important for us to give that big picture to our students that, you know, this is where when we look to God for the direction. And the promise is not that we'll be free of difficulty, but there will always be a path. There will all, he will always provide us that direction we need. So then how do we bring that down into our own home? I think how we bring that down into our own home is the beginning of the book of James. You know, consider pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds, develops perseverance. Perseverance is the ability to put up with things that are difficult, annoying, problematic, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and perseverance must continue its work. We need to stay engaged in the struggle and it develops maturity. And so in our own homes, the message to our kids is, you know what? God built us to persevere. We can persevere through this. Mm. There is a way for us to still live well in this experience of brokenness, in, a re in an experience being more aware of our brokenness in the broken state of the world right now. And so we take that 10,000 foot view of, you know, God is providing a path, bring it home to, you know what? We can struggle through this. And, and what we're looking at is, how can we live in a way that honors God today? How, how does our response to some of these new standards and rules, how does it reflect on our relationship with God today? And those are great conversations we can have with our kids. You know, we can hear a, a junior come in, a male junior comes home, just ticked off wearing a mask, can't stand staying six feet away. You know, he wants to be able to hold his girlfriend's hand as he goes down the hall. I mean, whatever it is, you know, to just hear him out, let him vent it. And then just say, man, I hear you. I get it. But it's a season that we are struggling through. But you know what? Let's figure out what's the right way to struggle. What's, what's a God-honoring way to struggle with this? What do you think? You know, how can you go back into that school tomorrow and demonstrate that you are a young man of good character, a mm -hmm. good young man of godly character? And so that's how we bring it home. And I think that's consistent with what we profess we believe. And, it, and if anything, it's we're now demonstrating that we are living what we are professing. Mm. And I think it's important to have those conversations with our students. Mm. Mm. So, you know, one of the, uh, you know, you, 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 you're really great at, at, at painting some, some mental pictures and, and, and stories. And, and so for me, uh, you know, I, I think probably all the way back to childhood all the time, I used to watch cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons, which is now, you know, it's a relic of the past and that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. But right. I, uh, one of the things I always used to think was interesting is, you know, they, they'd have a scene and they have this big red button, you know, whatever it was. And they say, don't push it. whatever you do, <laughs> don't do that. Like don't <laughs> press the big, big, big red button. So I, I use that as a I mean, analogy to say, okay, so if we're, you know, in this, in this time with our kids, you know, if there's nothing else we do, if, if you were to tell them, just don't do this, don't yep. press this button. What, what is that? Yeah, I, I, will, I will give you a way to look at it. Um, I have a parent, uh, had a parent come in recently, a couple parents. It goes back a little ways. And they were so excited to tell me something they started doing in their home. And they said, we're, we're engaging our children at dinner time. We're asking them every night, tell us one good thing about your day. 
and one bad thing about your day and let's talk about it. And they were really proud. And I said, no, and they're like, what? I said, you're telling your children, number one, that there are bad, that, that they should have something bad happen every day in their life. And two, mm -hmm. it's their job to go find it. Mm. Completely contrary to scripture, mm. completely contrary to Philippians 4, 8, 9, and 10, whatever's right, wise, pure, lovely, admirable. Think on these things. And if we keep reading, and the God of peace will be with you. During this time, we have to understand how the brain works. Without thinking about it, we're drawn to negative more easily than positive. So we need to be intentional to find the good. When the negative comes up, we don't have to go looking for it. It'll be apparent. And then we deal with the empathy and truth and kindness. But we should never, never instruct looking for negative. But absolutely, we have to intentionally look for the good. That's what I would tell folks today. Do not have a negative focus during this. The negative is obvious. We should pursue focusing on good. I mean, think about how powerful it would be during this time. Your kids come home, you're sitting around the dinner table. Do not ambush them when they come home. Tell me about the day. That is so useless. You know, what'd you do today? Nothing. How was it? Fine. <laughs> you know, just, sure. Yeah. Dinner time. Say, hey, what's something great? What was something great about your day today? And they may say nothing. Say, no, nope, not going to let you off the hook. You got to find something. And it teaches our children to look for diamonds in the rough. It teaches our children to look for the fact that God blesses us daily, regularly. And it helps them begin to have the eyes to see it. So if there was anything else right now, I would say, let's help our children see the good. Let's help our children see the blessings that God is giving us. Mm -hmm. So as we are uh, having our conversation now, there are uh, different schools and, and communities that are just now beginning to, to start to increase opening up a little bit, right? Uh, which certainly is, you know, somewhat of relief. I, I think, you know, many m may want to have the inclination to, to kind of rush, rush towards it. I know we have to have measured response, but, right. but what, um, what, what's your, your feedback or, or thoughts and, and, and maybe even uh, perspective as as those things are, are are starting to to occur. What what should we be thinking about from from your your standpoint? Yeah, this is this is the big warning I've been giving everybody. I'm I'm I'm, I'm waving the warning flags. We need to reenter life slowly. You know, if I if I back all the, this this up to the spring, I can think of one mom that came in my office right when everything shut down, and she said, you know, I've always I've been praying to have more time with my children, but this is really not what I meant. Uh, but now that we've had it we've been able to realize sometimes we've been too involved. You know, we've been given a gift, even though there's a lot of struggle in this, we've been given a gift of being able to reconnect as a family. And, and lo and behold, it's been difficult. It's been hard, you know, at times. Uh, sibling rivalry at times has been up, but we've also seen some wonderful things happen in connections with families, with siblings, with parents, with, with students. And it's really important for us as we, in a sense, reinvest in life, that we do it in the right order with the right paradigm. And so let me give you an order to think of. Most folks that come in my office over the last 30 some years, when they're struggling in their families, this is their order of, of time, money, you know, what they put it in. The first is world, all the things the world calls, all their volunteer activities, all the different things they're plugged into, you know, just the world's schedule. The second is their kids, all the kids sports, all the kids activities, you know, all those things. The third is family. And the way the conversation goes, I always hear is we're at least going to have family dinner together one night a week, mm. <laughs> one night a week, you know, mm. and then, and then it's if we don't have a game mm. <laughs> after family's marriage 
And what I hear from couples all the time is by then we're giving each other our worst because we're worn out. And then the bottom is God. You know, we know God's in control and we pray and we pray and we hope God gives us what we need to get through all this. The reality is that's why many of us have functioned and been functioning for years. The pandemic gave us a great pause and we need to decide, are we going to go back to that or are we going to go to the order that God would give us? And the order that God would give us is the opposite. You know, he says, be in, be in relationship with me. Then he says, there are two of you, your jobs to now become one. And there's no, and once he tells us to become one, there's no place in scripture. He says, take a break from that to do anything. <laughs> right. So yeah. become one, operate as one, then establish your family. This is who we are. This is our family identity. Then assimilate our children to the correct identity. You know, the bad humanistic psychology is every child is unique. We have to approach all them uniquely. All oh, that's hogwash. No, there is a right way to raise children. There is one truth and we need to assimilate them to that. Now, how we assimilate can be a little unique with their personalities, but we're assimilating them all to the same correct identity. And then the last is the world. The world gets the leftovers. And there are two rules, two, two guiding principles with this. The higher levels inform the lower. So our relationship with God informs how we're to live in marriage. Our relationship with God and how we live in marriage forms how we build the family and how we craft that identity, and it goes down the list. The second guiding principle is sometimes lower level items have to be temporarily put on hold for the benefit of the ones above them. Mm. You know, think about this. In the last year, who has been more inconvenienced? Parents because of children's activities or children because of parents' activities? Mm. It really should be children being inconvenienced for the parents' activities. The most important relationship in the family is the marriage. And children need to see it, but that's not how we operate. So when I tell families, I say, look, if you want a, a filter for coming back in life, use that one, use that order. Mm. And say, as we reinvest in life, are we throwing this out of order? And in my experience, when you keep it in order, you enjoy it all much more, but you're also teaching truth for mm. your children. So that's what I, uh, that's the warning sign I give everybody right now. Right. Put a we have a pause that allows us to put a filter in that we haven't had. And I think that help, that will help a lot of us. Good. Well, I, I, I think that is definitely a great, uh, great reminder to, to end on. Uh, Keith been, uh, been really enjoying our, our conversation. So speaking with Keith McCurdy uh, and uh, having an opportunity to talk uh, to him and really to the, the covenant community as we continue this, uh, this school year. So Keith, I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Patriot podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything discussed, feel free to contact us on our website at covenantcypress.org.